This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie Dobbin? I am very well, thank you for asking. Uh, I will just whine quickly for one mm-hmm. minute yes. and, and tell everyone who's listening how jealous I am because I think all of Ontario has been getting pretty good to some extent, maybe too much rain, and I've had none. I don't. It's been weeks since we had a drop. Wow. So that, which looking, is crazy. Yeah, but you seem to be in some kind of a pocket. <laughs> Well, we joke, my neighbors and I, about there being an invisible dome over our, our particular street. It's not the entire county. I have a good friend uh, who's actually participating in a garden tour today. Uh, the Pickering Horticultural Society is mm-hmm. coming to the county. And uh, this past Monday, she had five hours of rain. She lives 20 minutes away. Wow. I had three drops. Anyway, the clouds just went right around us. They didn't come anywhere close to my actual address. So I'm I'm just going to whine about that quickly. Um, I'll let you do the phone numbers. And I've got a couple of quick announcements as well. You got it. Okay, so we would love for you to give us a call with any gardening questions uh, about your either your dry garden or your wet garden. <laughs> We'd be happy to handle any of them. Um, the number to call if you live in Toronto is 416 0740. Or if you live anywhere outside Toronto, within the province of Ontario, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And of course, let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller, and uh, then I will give you your garden wings. And of course, we would love for you to call off, and we want you to call early, 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 and please... (laughs) This is an important one. One question per call, please. Okay, there you go. You have some announcements, you said. Yeah, just a couple of quick ones. Um, for anybody out there who loves clematis, and you are one of them, Dean, I know, put this on your calendar for next weekend. Peter Keeping, who is a long, long time clematis grower, <clears throat> excuse me, is having an open house next weekend. Ooh. I'm sure he'll have clematis for sale. It's uh, His garden is open both Saturday and Sunday from 10 until 4. He lives in Bowmanville. The address is 2152 Maple Grove Road in Bowmanville. You could also, uh, if you wish, email Peter at p.keeping at simpatico.ca. So just simply keeping, K-E-E-P-I-N-G. And the other thing is, that's the east side of Toronto. For anybody on the west side who loves lilies, next Saturday and Sunday is the Ontario Regional Lily Society juried show. A juried show is a very important show when it comes to winning gold cups. It's happening at the Royal Botanical Gardens. There will be displays of cut lilies. There'll be floral designs. It's beautiful. It'll also smell amazing, I bet, because some lilies are very fragrant. Uh, Saturday, 1.30 to 5. Sunday, 10 until 3 at the RBG. And again, at the end of the show on Sunday, 
the cut stems will be for sale. So enjoy that. Whether it's clematis or lilies, there's some cool stuff going on all next weekend. As usual, your announcements sound colorful and fragrant. I love them. (laughs) Okay, we have to take a short break. We have some callers on the line. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, I would imagine if anybody is saddled with a dry garden, you would be the one best to deal with it. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's accurate, but I have that much faith in you. (laughs) Well, you know what it is? It's just a lot of, like, because we're not on municipal water, we have Mm -hmm. limited water in our well. Uh, It's a lot of really careful watering, mostly by watering can, actually. A lot of dragging around watering cans, little drips and drops. Of course, the vegetables are priority. Make sure they're always kept consistently moist, not wet, but moist in order Mm -hmm. to really get the harvest. And anything that's newly planted needs to be coddled and cared for and watered as necessary. And I'm crossing my fingers. Everything else will be fine. And, you know, the lawn turns crispy. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. It's very frustrating when you find yourself in those pockets. Uh, honestly, we got rain last week, this this past week, that mm. came down so fast and so hard that the eaves troughs were all pooling <laughs> over the edges because yeah. it could, and it, it did that for about fifteen minutes. Like it just, and then it still rained for another hour and a half after that. Yeah. So, you know, severe saturation going on at your yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and. and uh, <laughs> My uh, my wife uh, showed me some pictures from uh, just outside of Hamilton where they were having like it was like a lake in the backyard. It was almost yeah. flooding, you know, and so that's for me. Most of Ontario, I think, is getting pretty good rain. I mean, yeah. maybe a bit extreme in some cases, but for whatever reason, I'm, I'm in a secret spot here under the dome. Yeah, well, we will make it our uh, our mission this week. All of our energies will be to try and send the rain clouds your way. Yeah, either that or dirigible and just drop it. I'm yeah. Thinking- getting a firefighter plane to just drop a big load of water over that'll be the next thing right you can get a load of soil dropped off you can just get a helicopter hover over your house and drop a load of water and and like a lake's worth of water in you know 10 seconds oh that's funny that would be funny okay let's go to our first caller we have uh, julie on the line she's calling from toronto welcome to the garden show julie Yes, good morning. Um, I have a wisteria plant that I've had for about 10 or 12 years, and it was doing really good with lots of green leaves and um, no flowers, but it was good for privacy. Now, this year, I have all the vines, but not a single leaf on the vines. Is is it gone now? Yeah, it doesn't sound good. So no green buds along the the, 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 uh, trunk or anything emerged this spring at all? None at all. Not a single one. Huh. That's I have a lot of runners at the base. Rarely dies. I wonder what happened. Yeah. Um, the thing with wisteria, of course, as you know, we avoid fertilizing mm-hmm. it because it can just become such a brute. Uh, and if, if perhaps it was fertilized late last summer and then a lot of tender growth came out that ended up causing it to, to, to die or did something happen over the winter? Um, I don't know because it's, you know, I didn't move it at all. I didn't fertilize it in the fall. And it was really coming along nicely, really lush and green. And like I say, good for privacy, but no flowers, which was okay. But this year, not a single leaf on the vines. 
So the only thing you could do, I mean, it's a bit late now because we are into July. Whenever in the spring something doesn't bud or leaf out as you expect, whether it's a maple tree or a wisteria vine or, or you know, whatever kind of deciduous plants and shrubs you might have. Remember if you do some what we call tip pruning. <clears throat> so pruning off an inch or in your case, maybe three feet of each of the branches yeah. will force plants to start growing. It forces them to come out of dormancy if they're dormant and they just haven't woken up. Um, might be worth a try anyway in your case. Just see I mean, if there's any life. Sometimes we'll scrape the bark very gently just with a fingernail. Um, where not, not down at the base, but where it's heavy bark, but, you know, where there's thin bark. And just see if there's any moisture in the tree, any green, any slipperiness under the bark and that'll tell you if it's alive if it's alive you might be able to get it to grow just by pruning it back okay now there's the runners are long at the base and uh, Mm -hmm. now are they going to do anything um i don't know to add to the plant but you got some green on the runners oh yeah yeah oh sorry okay so wait so where is there no green it's on the main main trunk yes on the trunk and all the stems it's all brown like brown stems like okay, so cut out what is not growing. How's that? Remove everything that's not growing, even if that means the big, heavy, central needs to come out. Yes, the runners will take over. They'll oh, come well, back. And oh, that's good. Your, I could sort of trail passing. them up upwards then. Mm, I could yeah, trail exactly. the runners to go upwards instead of crawling along the ground. Exactly. You're going to have to train okay. them. Okay. Oh, that's great. I'll try that. Okay. All right. Thanks for okay. calling. Okay. Yeah. Thanks very much for that call. Wow. You just made that call just turn right around. Charles I know. Robin. We went from dead to alive. To, yeah. That just went to glass half full real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Well, I guess that's what you're looking for, right? If you're looking for any still, any sign of life still, the yeah. green. Well, I mean, it happens where the root survives after Mm -hmm. winter and new growth comes up from the base of a plant. I mean, I have an example of that right here. Um, It's a nanny berry is the common name. It's a viburnum. It uh, went went into my garden three years ago. I think it was planted too deep. And the um, I'm sure that's what happened, actually. And the trunk rotted off and the whole thing fell over and, uh, you know, broke off. Uh, it wanted to live. It was covered in flowers. But anyway, it all fell down. But I'm now training a new tree up from the root. Okie dokie. Okay, good. Good to know. Good to keep in mind. Okay, I have to take a short break. But when we come back, uh, we will have a bob on the line. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, welcome back to The Garden Show. Everything floral indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, well, not always flowering apparently, but sometimes just green. Yeah, well, better green than brown. Better green than brown. You got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's go to, uh, oh, you know, before we go to our next call, I want to give out those numbers one more time. Uh, because we have room on the lines. 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number. If you live anywhere outside Toronto in the province of Ontario, it's toll-free. 1-866-740-4740. Give us a call. Uh, just like Bob did in Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Bob. Morning. Morning. 
So my problem is with some dahlias. I grow have been growing them for two or three, four years, and I grow uh, two patches in different locations. But for this year, for some reason, the uh, they're up about uh, oh ten inches, but the tops of the leaves that come out are black. And I was mm-hmm. reading online it says if your dahlia stems are are black and mushy, they're likely diseased. A good mm-hmm. idea of what's yes. happening, right? <laughs> I know I hate to say that but you might have to do that um so that's just the tips like the growing tips not specifically the leaves uh, well the growing tip as it comes up it's up about six inches and then there's some small uh not formed leaves yet and then mm-hmm. there looks like another stem inside maybe it's a flower uh, stem but they just turn black and uh, they just sort of fall off you know Right. So, I mean, this is where if you're in a part of Ontario that's been getting very consistent rain, or if you have a yard that is quite sh- uh, shaded by trees, you know, big old trees, or you you have a yard that's very protected and you don't have a lot of air circulation around the dahlias, it is certainly possible that a fungus has uh, arrived um, <clears throat> called botrytis. And it's, it's not that uncommon when we get a lot of wet, gray weather for this to happen. And you're right. You're going to have to just dig up the ones that are exhibiting this problem. And, uh, you, you know, you could compost them, but I'd probably put them into the paper bags and send them off to the recycling center. Oh, that's a, is there a way to prevent that? I mean, that's a lot of failures. Well, like I said, it, it's, it's those conditions that encourage – it's it's very hard – Probably the rain because of had torrential rains and the ground doesn't really get a chance to die out. Exactly. And if you're, like I said, if you're in a yard that's, you know, an older part of Toronto that's just got lots of fences and garages and, you know, there's not a lot of air. That's always, that becomes an issue when we have summers with all this crazy rain and there's so much moisture and humidity in the air and very little air circulation. If you're in a sheltered spot of, uh, in your yard, then fungal diseases will really take advantage. I guess I better have a talk to God and find out what's wrong with this rain. Can you plant in the future, plant them further apart, plant them in a more open area of your garden, and always, always minimum six hours of sun a day. Okay. Well, start over again. It's a little late, but maybe next year. Mm -hmm. All right. Good luck with that. Sorry that's happening. But, you know, you you can't win, eh? Too much rain, not enough rain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I only knew then what I know now. I'd find a 95-year-old woman that was a multimillionaire when I was 15 <laughs> and marry her, right? Oh, I'm with you on that, everything. totally. I wanna... <laughs> there you if go. I, when when you. we built this house, if I had known then what I know now, I wouldn't have built a house here under this dome. <laughs> so. Yeah, fair enough. Is it? Is, are there... I guess entirely different challenges than you've had before uh, in your in your well, home ownership life. Yeah, well, lack of water has been a challenge for sure. Uh, and the I, you know I, I'm learning about wind and and certainly I have no lack of air circulation where mm-hmm. I am. You know, mm-hmm. unlike you know the more enclosed gardens than in the older areas. I'm on a really big open property, but uh, yeah, it's water, just water. Water, yeah, well, and you, you got to have it. But as you say, you don't want too much either. If you have too much, it causes a different set of problems. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, yeah, like you with your overflowing eavesdrops. Oh yeah, my. yeah. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. And when it and, and Bob brought that, you know, that actually you brought up something. Uh, I didn't realize that in the cities with uh, all the, as you say, the fences and a lot of lush life, it just it doesn't allow for enough air circulation. Yeah, yeah. And certain plants are very susceptible. We're going to hear lots of questions, I'm sure, about mildews, powdery mildews. Yeah. You know, just all kinds of spots on leaves, et cetera, et cetera. And so much of it's going to come back to fungal diseases. Gotcha. OK, well, let's see what Evelyn's got going on in her garden. She's also calling from Toronto. So uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Evelyn. There we are, Evelyn. Yeah, welcome to the Garden Show, Evelyn. Oh, hi. Hello. Hi. Morning. Morning. Oh, great. Thanks. Sorry about that. Coincidentally, Charlie, I just received your email this morning. I just opened it a couple minutes ago. So I had uh, emailed Charlie about our birch tree on a south-facing uh, lawn, <clears throat> and um, I, the tree had had we've been babying it for the past number of years with an arborist coming and treating it, uh, but the many of the branches are dying, and hence uh, the need to replace it. And mm-hmm. um, thank you so much. Uh, I had wondered about. Um, having a birch again uh, mm-hmm. but I was concerned because of the history of disease like this tree is about 40 plus years old um, so but I'm, you know well I mean the thing Evelyn I think is that there is an insect it's not a disease but an insect called a bronze birch borer and you'll okay. know you've got it in your birch tree if the top of the tree is dead in the spring and there's leaves on the tree but the tips are not leafing out and because birch have such thin bark you can actually see bumps looks like you know big pimples under the bark which are the actual insects in the tree and eventually like you've been trying to care for the tree and 40 plus years is actually pretty good for birch trees they are not long-lived trees Mm -hmm. they are even in the even in the wild they don't last more than 40 50 years you know unlike a sugar maple that can be 200 years old a birch will never last that long so you know 40 50 years isn't bad i know you want another birch and you know i gave you some suggestions on what to do there but um you might even consider a completely different tree and that's where um, I probably wanted some feedback on something different. It is on that slope, and it's south-facing, so very hot um, all, all right. the time. And I like we like you know that dappled light, and um, it was nice because the birch had multiple um, stems. Stem. Um, but is there something else then that you would recommend if not going with the birch? How wide is your lot, or what size is your lot, do you know? Um, the lot is uh, 50, 60 by 120 or 50 by 120. Oh, that's good. No, that's a good size. So I'm, I agree with you. I love the dappled light idea. Um, so one plant I would definitely recommend, which would, would be good in there, would be a honey locust. Uh, oh, yeah. That gets big and provides, it's much wider than a birch, but it's a shade tree, so it's a single stem uh, and it would give you that big, wide, uh, uh, soft shade on the front of your house, on the mm-hmm. south, you know, south facing, which is really a benefit because it helps shade the the sun from beating mm-hmm. in, in your windows in the yeah. summer. But it also allows sun to come through in the winter. If you really like that multi-stem idea, 
Consider yeah. a katsura begins with the letter K, K A T, sura S U R A. Katsura can be uh, purchased as either single stem or multi stem. They do like water, so you'd have to stay on top of the watering, uh, particularly for the first you know number of years. They they will go limp if they need water, but uh, great tree provides lots of privacy. Uh, one of my all time favorite trees does not get any diseases or insects at all. Um, mm-hmm. I have two on my property, but I grow them as single stems, but you can certainly do the multi-stem thing. Um, they, they, a yeah. lot of people love beach, beach, B-E-E-C-H. There's lots of different beaches out there. Again, would do well on that Southern um, lawn. So no, you have, you have options with that size property. You have some pretty good options. Oh, okay. And with, um, with the Katsura, um, and the locusts on the beach, uh, are they messy? I hate to use the word messy trees in the, in the fall. <laughs> Good question. Um, no, no, not at all. The Katsura, you'll never see a flower on it because they're so tiny and there's no fruit. So, that, I mean, they drop leaves in the fall, but nothing else. Um, okay. Beaches, yeah, Katsura, no, none of them are messy. Yeah, it, you're right. Some trees are messier than others, but not the ones I mentioned. <laughs> okay. And they all uh, would have that gap of light then. Yes, that's the thing. Okay. You want, you, <laughs> oh, that's, that's where we, sorry, sometimes our, we don't like a maple because maples, the shade is just too <laughs> intense, but these are good ones. Yeah, because we our neighbor has a red maple. It's a mess and it's very dark. And I didn't want that dark a look yeah. in the front of the house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. good luck on that. Yeah, I also Thank am a you. fan of birch trees, so I'm feeling your pain. Yeah. yeah. Everybody loves the birch. I think I'll stay yeah. away. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, our numbers. We have lots of room on the lines. Give us a call. Four one six three six zero. 0740. That's the Toronto number or toll free 1-866-740-4740. I have to admit that I didn't realize um, uh, that Birch has had such a uh, rather brief life cycle, I guess, as far as trees are concerned. Yeah, well, because they're fast growing and mm. they do like moisture. You'll often find them along the, <clears throat> the edges of rivers and lakes and streams. Mm-hmm. And that makes them very soft. Their wood is very soft. They grow so fast. So, yeah, they're not what we would consider long-lived trees. Nope, nope. But people uh, certainly, I, we I have two on our property, as you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, we were delighted when we bought the house, you know, uh, <laughs> a little over a decade ago, and there were birches on there because I, too, like them. But uh, uh, but I guess I have to. you have to plan, right? You have to plan cool. ahead differently for when they might leave you. Well, and be aware, like I said, take a look after the show, go outside and look at your birch trees and make sure that there are leaves right to the top of the tree on the branches. Uh, Because the first indication that you've got the borer uh, inside your tree is at the top in the tips. And once the borer is there, it will kill the tree. So that can be a problem. I mean, you're in a different little zone there in Collingwood where... Mm -hmm. You know, you don't necessarily have the same pests that we have in a more urban environment. But it's still just do do your proper care to make sure that the tree lives as long as possible. You at some point may want to deep root feed it with like not fertilizer on the surface, but fertilizer placed under the ground down where the roots are just to encourage not not necessarily this year and not necessarily this time of year, but just a way to do whatever you can to prolong its beauty. Fabulous. Okay, phones are ringing. I can see them. And in the meantime, we will go to uh, Janice, who is in St. Thomas. Welcome to the Garden Show, Janice. Thank you. 
uh, I like your show. I listen to it every week if I can. And I have a question about a wisteria. I have had it for about 30 years. It was on a privacy fence growing across the top. It has intertwined in itself. It had flowers on it this year, but we couldn't see them because of the intertwining. Now, how far back can I cut that? I do have new growth at the bottom. Right. Okay, so this is always a good one. Um, we had a call, I think, just last week on this subject, wisteria and when to cut back. Uh, because it is a challenge. There's you oh in Ontario, we typically prune our wisteria twice a year, so uh, at the minimum. <laughs> so yeah. like now, midsummer or this is still early summer, but after flowering, so it probably flowered when in April. Yeah, where you are, probably in April. It probably flowered then. So you will do some pretty hard pruning uh, even now of a lot of the green shoots. This is one of those things that it's sort of hard to explain. Um, wherever the new growth is, where you see all that soft green, you know, lush yeah. growth coming off of the, the plant, particularly where you can reach it, all that needs to be cut back to only four to five buds on each of those stems. So there could be three feet long right now and you're gonna take them right back to whatever, six or eight inches. So it's a real pruning back on all the newest growth now or in the next two weeks. And in the spring, we also do um, more pruning, which is you know another whole kettle of fish. But there's a lot on the internet. There's a lot of information on the internet on what to do with wisteria. Okay. Okay, I just I was going to cut it right back to oh about three feet from the bottom of the mm -hmm. from the ground up and see what happened then. Yeah. But after having it that long and the flowers are so uh, aromatic that uh, uh, I hate to do that if it's not going to flower again because it took me about five years to get it to flower. <laughs> Exactly. Well, you've been doing something right, obviously, but uh, don't hesitate to prune and you're going to prune hard every spring and every midsummer. And you're basically cutting back so much of the new growth. Now, you're not taking it right back to the trunk. You're taking it back to four to five buds. OK, four to five right. buds. Yeah. All righty. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you yeah. Much yeah. Thanks. Call. Thanks you're for the welcome. call, Janice. Bye bye. Yeah, I have to say uh, we've had some calls in the last few weeks about wisteria, and I'm—it's uh, such a beautiful flower. I'm quite intrigued to figure <laughs> out whether I could grow it somewhere. But uh, yeah. you know, well, you've got that garage or whatever it is. You've got like yeah. an outbuilding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could grow it up there, and it would just collapse it. It'd be great. <laughs> great. Maybe they're, I'll they're, maybe I'll stick to the tulips. <laughs> yeah, go with clematis. Go with something that's nice and light and airy. Yeah. Okay. Wisteria. Well, as as Janice said, she's had it growing on you know really solid structure for yeah. thirty years, and she, like I say, she's doing something right. But it, you really, really, you've got to build a structure for your wisteria. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, uh, we have to pause, uh, listen to some important and uh, appreciated messages. And when we come back, uh, well, we'll have more on The Garden Show with Carol on the line. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show on this uh, 8th of July. My goodness, we are just creeping along into July, aren't we, very quickly? And and it's not as hot, actually, today at my house. It's been beastly hot all week. But today it seems to be more 20s rather than 30s. Um, listen, quick uh, thought. Uh, we're getting yeah. all these wisteria questions. Just a um, quick search on the Internet. Farmer's Almanac. So triple W dot almanac dot com backs backslash plant backslash wisteria so in a nutshell prune wisteria in late winter remove at least half of the prior year's growth leaving just a few buds per stem so that's late winter so depending on where you're living it could be february it could be march if you want more formal, prune again during the summer after the flowering. For more blooms, try cutting back the rampant shoots every two weeks during the summer. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of pruning. But yeah. that is because if you leave a wisteria and if you fertilize a wisteria, it grows crazy fast and it just becomes a big green blob, you know, messy blob. So just, you know, put that on your calendar to go out. Just keep cutting everything back by half. And in the winter, of course, early spring, late winter, cut last year's growth back by half because every time you cut it, it's going to grow again. Gotcha. I have to say that I can't recall too many, uh, too many plants or shrubs or trees in the last year and a half spending time with you that you trim in late winter. Oh, no, the best time to trim your fruit trees is late winter. Okay. Any crab apples, apples, peaches, pears, plums. That's if you, yeah, that's when you do it, when they are dormant. Okay, so like really February, see. early March. Yeah. yeah, you can really see what's going on. And the other thing about doing that late winter pruning is that the ground is frozen, so you're mm. not compacting the soil around the plants. Oh. Once the ground thaws, we don't get out and start walking around and doing a lot of pruning because it's just mud and we just mess up the soil for the future. Gotcha. Okay, uh, let's go to the community of Green Bank, east of Toronto. We've got Carol on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Carol. Thanks for taking my call. I've listened to you for years, but I never had this problem till this year. Um, as a beekeeper, I bought um, little tea tree samples, like T-E-A, and they, they said, put them where you've got lots of room. So they grow really tall, and then they get yellow flowers later on. This year, they got little red little bug things on them that I've never seen before. Mm. Now, since this rain, it's dispersed quite a few of them, but... They still have some. Have you heard of them? Um, okay, so little red bugs, so really red, bright red? Yes, when you push them on your skin, it looks like blood, you know. Oh, oh, like tiny, tiny? Tiny, tiny ones, yes. Uh, those are little mites, I think. Yes, that's uh, what they are. They're more like mites, yeah. Yeah, well, and that usually with mites... Like the heat will will bring them on. I'm surprised. Yeah, the rain disperses them, but they don't like humidity generally. Mites are prefer hot and dry. Um, this year, so I, I would first year I've really had anything like this. I wouldn't be concerned for the long term. Like they ultimately won't survive the winter. What I would do is, uh, if you can get a day where it's not too hot and it's certainly not sunny if you can spray just a simple soap spray even a sharp water okay, spray I can do that. Uh, yep. will knock a lot of them down and they should die in the winter 
Thank you very much. Okay, good luck. Your show is okay. wonderful. Thanks again. And have a good day. Thanks for the call. Well- yeah, thanks for the call, Carol. And thanks for being a beekeeper. I think that's a yeah. great thing to be. I would. No kidding. That's what I. That's what I'm going to do when I retire. I think. Yeah, really. I would love to. Uh, I I would love to do that. I would uh, think that would be great to have a property where you could have bees. Yeah, you got to be a really calm person, though. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually have a. There's a gentleman up here. Well, there's people all over the place that do it, but uh, there's a gentleman up here that invited me the one time, and when he was opening up the hive, it was quite fascinating. Yeah, on one of my television episodes, we were at a person's place where I I put on, I donned all the gear because he had two sets. So we both had all the gear on and then, yeah, he opened up the hive. It was (sighs) super cool. Super cool is right. Indeed. Okay. You know what we're going to do? Let's uh, jump to our next, uh, our last break. We have a couple of callers on the line, but let's, uh, yeah, we'll have our last break and then we'll come back with more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show. Let's go directly to our next caller. We are going to Oshawa. We have Wayne on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Wayne. Good morning. 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 Hi, I don't have a question for you today, but I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, two weeks ago, you had a contest where a pair of binoculars were the prize. Yes. And I was fortunate enough to win them. Oh, nice. Oh, and and good on you. This week. Yeah, they just came in this week, so I wanted to say thank you very much. Um, thank you to the Urban Nature Store. That was, uh, that yes, was provided by them. Paul Oliver. Yeah, I'm that glad was, you're enjoying I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I'm glad you're enjoying them. My hus- I got my husband a pair for his birthday, and he, he doesn't even take them off ever. I think he's, <laughs> he's almost wearing them to bed. It's just he loves them so much. You know, they are good. That's uh, the quality is they're good. Yeah, um, yeah, they're excellent. Fabulous. You'll have to go out and do some birding. Hey, I've already <laughs> tried them. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, you'll have to call us back in a, in a month or so and tell us what bird you found. <sighs> I'll keep the list. <laughs> yeah, good, okay. good for you. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks, okay. Wayne. Thank <laughs> okay, now we are going to Seaforth. We have Marilyn on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Marilyn. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good. Um, I have a story to tell. Um, mm-hmm. Last summer, I was given a couple of amaryllis bulbs that um, somebody didn't want them. Mm-hmm. I planted them in my flower bed that I don't uh, I don't look at too often. And <laughs> I'm loving the this story so far. <laughs> the unwanted bulbs in the garden that nobody cares about. <laughs> that's right. And I um, forgot about them. Mm-hmm. And they were there all winter. And mm-hmm. they came up this spring. Oh and there, there's leaves, and they're growing. <laughs> cool. Um, That's amazing. If, if I bring them in in the fall, do you think they'll bloom next spring or they in the winter? Might, um, they're, they're planted right in the garden, right? Right. So why not? Yeah, wait no, till No, they're September. in a pot. They're in a pot oh, in the garden. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... 
pull the pot up out of the garden, wash it all off, you know, let them do their thing this summer. I mean, you can let them grow through July and August, but in early September, dig up the pot, clean them all up, let them dry out. Like don't, don't do any watering, stick them on a porch or somewhere where they won't get any rain and let them Mm -hmm. naturally just die down and go to sleep. The green leaves will turn yellow. The plant will look like it's dead. Let it just go asleep. Uh, and no water at and at some point yellow leaves cut them all mm-hmm. off and then into the dark dark basement somewhere frost free and keep an eye on them they will start they'll pop out some flower buds probably around december yeah okay yeah, it's amazing they survived over the winter though cuz that you must have had a lot of snow or some really good protection they are well, a tropical well it was right people. up against the building yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know. There was lots of snow on them and yeah, that yeah. helps. Yeah, they're oh. they're originally from South Africa, so they they are not winter hardy, but good for you. I mean they perfect conditions obviously. Yeah, it must have been. Okay. Nice. Thanks for letting us know. Let okay. us know if, if I thought when they I thought that was a weird uh thing to happen. It is. <laughs> I thought I had okay. lost them, but here they are. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Well, as Charlie says, uh, call us back, uh, you know, in uh, January when they bloom and uh, let us know how, what color they are. There you yeah, go. They might just bloom. Yeah, they're probably red because the toughest ones are right. the reds. Are the red ones. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, we have one more caller on the line. We have Beth from Oromadanti. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Beth. Hi, good morning, guys. Uh, your program's uh, fun as uh, always. I'm still smiling about uh, Charlie, your husband, and the binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm calling about uh, Japanese beetles on roses. Uh, two quick questions, and then I'll hang up and listen. Firstly, is there any spray for them? I've looked up and seen something about rubbing alcohol and water and soap. I'm just squishing them one by one, and I seem to keep them under control. Secondly, should I use what I see online as nematodes for next season in the spring to perhaps uh, avert this problem, uh, this problem for uh, for next summer? So, listen, I'm going to hang up and uh, okay. turn you back on and and see what you have to say. It's perfect. Thank you. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. thanks. Yeah. Very much. Thank you. Okay. So the, it's a good question, and I'm sure there's more than one person experiencing Japanese beetles chewing on some of their favorite plants. So the nematodes in the fall can be an excellent idea for controlling the grubs. Because remember, the beetle that you're seeing now is the adult. Insects have metamorphosis where their bodies change through their entire life. So what starts as a caterpillar or a grub, uh, like in our lawns, will eventually become a beetle. So the Japanese beetles are the adult form. They unfortunately eat a lot before they lay eggs and then die what do you do to avoid them would nematodes help technically they should because by putting the nematodes into the soil in the late summer you will control grubs but the japanese beetles that are flying into beth's yard could have come from five doors down or a kilometer away they're just flying around looking for yummy stuff Do not use Japanese beetle traps because you will attract the beetles to your yard uh, and you will attract far more than you want. I mean, it's one thing to have, you know, 10 or 20 roll into your property, but with the trap, you'll have 10 times that flying into your property. They're very, very effective. 
unless you've got a huge property and you can stick the trap at the far end away from the garden or in a more urban environment. Sometimes we'll put a trap like in a schoolyard or a parking lot, somewhere where attracting the Japanese beetles is not a problem. We don't care. Let them fill up the trap in the parking lot, you know, in downtown Toronto. That works as well. Um, there is a spray. It is BT, B as in Bob, T as in Tom. It is a bacterial spray. It's when we spray it, we're literally making our plants covered in bacteria. And then when the insect chews on the plants, they die. The one for grubs um, or for the beetles, because beetles are just adult grubs, is BTK. And you will find it in any good garden center. There is information on there on when to spray, how to spray. You could, as far as I know, spray today. Um, it will not hurt the plants, but it will hurt the beetles when they eat the, the bacteria-covered plants. The reason you may not spray today is, number one, it might be too windy. Number two, it might be too hot and sunny where you are. Or number three, there might be rain in the forecast in the next 24 hours. So if you have none of those things, then yes. I mean, as the sun is going down this evening, the wind always dies down. The temperatures are cooler. There is no hot sun. Uh, that would be an optimal time to spray. And it's very effective. It really works with um, insects that chew our plants. It kills them quite quite readily. And uh, so worth worth using for sure. So that would be my suggestion. Fabulous. Well, it all, it, you know, it's, it's a big conversation, right? I mean, there's many different types of things that can land on your plants and eat them and cause havoc. And so right. there's, and yeah. I mean, you got to be out there in, at midnight with your little, you know, nightlight on to see what's chewing. I mean, there's a, people are talking about earwigs. There's just wow. always something chewing something, right? Yeah. You got anyway, it. Thanks, Dean. Thanks Thank for you. Aiding and abetting, I appreciate it. Carlos couldn't do this without you. And to all our great callers, thanks again. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.